Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Wendy Ahrens is the author of I'm Wearing Tunics Now on Growing Older, Better, and a Hell of a Lot Louder. Wendy Ahrens is a writer and award-winning humorist whose work has frequently appeared in outlets like McSweeney's and The New Yorker, among many others. She is the author of the middle grade novel, Ginger Mancino, Kid Comedian, and a contributor to the Listen to Your Mother, What She Said Then, What We're Saying Now, and Keep Strolling Till You Feel Something anthologies. She lives in Austin with her family and her tunics. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss I'm Wearing Tunics Now on Growing Older, Better, and a Hell of a Lot Louder. (laughs) Thank you for having me here. This was really fun. I'm curious what your alternate titles were. This is such a good title. Did you have something else? 
Not really. That just stuck with me. So I had good. it and I don't even, I'm not wearing a tunic today. I mean, I don't wear them all the time, but a tunic was kind of a metaphor for no longer caring what anybody thinks of how you dress except for yourself. So yeah. I just stuck with it. Yeah. No other, alter- no, it's so no good. other titles. Thank so you. Good. So first of all, tell listeners, I mean, the title gives it away, but tell mm-hmm. listeners about the content of the book and what made you write it and all of that good stuff. I'm a humor writer. I've written satire for McSweeney's and the New Yorker Daily Shouts for years. And I was approached about writing something longer form. So I'm like, you know, humor is my lane and I wanted to stay in that, but it is limiting. So I started to write more humorous essays about just getting older in this phase of life because there isn't a lot out there. And to be honest, in the past, I didn't think I really had anything I wanted to say that was long enough for a book. But I realized in my, I think when I turned 50, I'm like, there isn't a lot out there examining how a woman changes from 30 to 50 in a humorous way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is, but not that I had seen recently. So it was like, I always say that I never thought I had a book in me because my life is so ordinary. I'm not like Malala. I haven't climbed any mountains. I'm, I'm not doing anything extraordinary but I, what I've done is relatable, which I'm finding out with the response to the book. So each chapter has a title like I'm wearing blank now. I'm wearing maternity pants now. I'm wearing twin set sweaters now. Um, nobody cares what I'm wearing now because I realize that my life and many women's lives can be framed by what what our fashion is at that point in time. And so that was kind of the trajectory. So the book goes through, starts when I'm 30 and ends when I'm at my current age in my 50s. And just that transition from, you know, being a young mom, finding my place in the world, getting louder and more politically active, realizing that there's so much freedom in erasure when all of a sudden you aren't subject to the male gaze or you you feel kind of condescended to just because you have some gray hair. I'm really like going crazy with this description right now. I love it. Keep going. No, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But just how, you know, I feel more confident and more powerful at this age than I ever have before in my life. And I didn't plan on having any inspiration whatsoever in my book. I just wanted it to be funny, but I'm getting feedback that it is kind of inspirational, you know, just to let's talk about how hard it is to find friends as a mom and as an older woman. And, you know, I have some thoughts in there about how I did it or how life is not infinite. So if you want to do something and you want to go down a new path, do it now. There's no reason to wait anymore. So there, that's my five second spiel that I think actually went on for two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Take your time. This is your show to like hawk your wares, if you will. Okay. Okay. I'm serious. So here, let's, let's go through some of the, uh, let's go through some of the clothes and, and you can give a little snippet. Okay. Hold on. So you go from, I'm wearing chunky heels now. I'm wearing maternity pants, twin sets, conference swag. I'm wearing Mm -hmm. bad decisions from the juniors department now. I'm wearing Fury now. No one cares what I'm wearing now. I'm wearing business casual now. I'm wearing wrinkles now, or am I? I'm wearing a bigger size now. I'm wearing the name Ma'am now. I'm wearing cooling cloths now. I'm wearing decades now. I'm wearing a slower pace. I'm wearing a party hat. 
I'm wearing badass and I'm wearing tunics. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's that's, that's my it. life in a nutshell. Right oh there. my gosh. So talk about I'm wearing a bigger size now. And then it says nine ways I wish I could boost my metabolism. You're so funny. Yeah. And I, and I think probably I would think that most women go through this where your metabolism suddenly changes in midlife. And yeah, that's about all of a sudden I was doing all the diet exercise I've done my entire life, but I was gaining weight just because of hormones and you know, pre-menopause or perimenopause and all of that. So it's, you know, kind of a humorous take on that and how I tried Weight Watchers and, you know, was stuck to the letter and did everything. And then I gained five pounds at the end of the month. Just because your body is you can't control it anymore. It's it's just a different feeling. So, you know, I think like I said, I think most women go through this at that age. And you either laugh or you cry. That's how I put it. So I tried to just explain how it was for me. And I think I've kind of regulated back to how I was before, but it's, it's weird. It's, you know, everything you thought you could control all of a sudden you can't, which is, you know, explains about a million things in life. But for me, it was the metabolism and my body was changing. And, you know, I always say I would never go back to being age 30 again, but I would take certain body parts from when I was 30 and have those come back. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit rough with the self-acceptance in certain phases of midlife. I used to actually, back in the day, work at Weight Watchers. That's a great program. After business school, I was like, I have to lose these 20 pounds and I've tried everything in the world, but I haven't tried Weight Watchers. Who knows? And I like got so gung-ho about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the only thing on the planet that's going to work for me. And I got so carried away that I was like, I'm going to be a leader. I want to be a leader. Like I have to get to this goal and then I have to, anyway. So I became a receptionist and then I became a leader and I started leading meetings. That's really cool. I was like, you know, 20, what did I know? I was like 28. I would like hate myself now. (laughs) I was 28 and like a size zero and like, you know, my hair was falling out and I was freezing cold all the time. Oh my gosh. Barely eating. But anyway, it was not the best, but I I go back to that time because I, I did a good job and they promoted me and I became like a private meeting leader and I would go to people's homes. And I had this one client, I would go to her home on like first Avenue once a week. And she was middle-aged and going through all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we would like look at her food records. And I remember thinking like, I, I don't know. She's doing everything right. Like, I don't know why you're not losing weight. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's um, exactly now that it. I'm like that age and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, what? <laughs> like, okay, I guess I'll just be a large. Like, it's okay. I'll just be a large. It's know? okay. Yeah. And that's, and that was it too. I grapple with, it's ridiculous. I shouldn't have to get down to a certain size. I shouldn't have to go get Botox. I shouldn't have to color my hair. And I know all of that. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, but I don't want to look in the mirror and be scared of, you know, not recognizing myself. And if all these other women in my neighborhood are doing that, then I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb or I don't, it's, it's just this quandary. I, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. I feel like I'm 46 now and I just feel like all of a sudden, especially post COVID when no one could get Botox for a while. (laughs) Yeah. I have like this whole, there's this whole group of women who I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're doing. All right. You know, the holiday cards are like so funny, but anyway, (laughs) I I feel like middle age is similar. I mean, as one of these womanly moves, right. You don't know how you're going to be as a pregnant person until you're pregnant. You don't know. Mm -hmm. 
like, oh, are you going to be one of these beautiful pregnant people? Are you going to be like hideous and your nose gets too big? Like mine with my twins, you know what I mean? Like my whole, all my features distorted. Like you just don't know. And it's the same thing for middle age. But but nobody like warns you. Like this could go any way. It's out of your control and you're going to have to Mm -hmm. like ride it out. You have to write it out. And I say in the book that it's similar to puberty. It's, it's a big change and, and hormones are involved in each case. But yeah, all of a sudden you're like, well, why did I just sit in my closet and cry for 20 minutes, uh, you know, after watching that 90 Day Fiance episode? You know, it's just a weird feeling. It's unsettling, I think. So that's why I'm like, let's just make some laughs about it because hopefully most people can relate to it. And that's my way of coping with the world is finding what's funny. I mean, we have to commiserate, right? I mean, we do. We we do. Otherwise, forget it. How did you get into humor writing and writing in general? Like start back, back in the day, like how did this whole- Back in the day. Well, I've been getting asked a lot if I was a funny kid. And the answer is no, I was not a funny kid. I was the one in the corner reading and reading and reading. I was a a big bookworm, but I liked, my sensibility was for humor. So I was the strange six-year-old walking into the city library and checking out Irma Bombeck books. I love because <laughs> I know. I'm like, I guess I identified with like domestic housewife humor at a very young age. Like I love, but she's so, I mean, a rereader because she's so sharp and witty yeah. and I think didn't get the uh, recognition that was due because she was writing about women and domestic issues. But yeah, I always loved humor as, you know, I would seek out funny movies and funny books and all of that. But it wasn't until I had been a mom, I I was laid off from my uh, advertising job when I was pregnant. So I became, as I said, a reluctant stay-at-home mom. And I started writing as an outlet and my brain just goes naturally to humor. I teach a lot of kids humor writing classes and I tell them, you know, if you all had the assignment to write something about a horse, part of some of you would write a poem, some of you would write something dark and twisty, and some of you like me would write a joke because that's how your brain is wired, like you see the world in a funny way. So that's how I started to make sense of the world, like motherhood. I wrote a lot of funny parenting stuff. But the thing that changed my life, and it's in the book, is I wrote an angry letter to Procter & Gamble about their always maxi pad, have a happy period slogan for McSweeney's. And it's a satiric piece. And I thought, it, you know, I'm like, yay, I got something published on a website. But then it went viral. And this is before Twitter and Facebook existed. Like it went viral, like people were printing it out and mailing it to their friends. And that was like a big, just a huge thing in my life. Cause I'm like, somebody wants to hear my voice. I'm sitting here in my little Texas bedroom with my kids in the next room typing away. And what I wrote resonated with all of these people, they liked my humor. They liked my feminist point of view, blah, blah, blah. So that led to starting a blog. And a, the blogs were a big deal back in the early 2000s. And that was my way of connection. So I'm like, I can put my humor voice out there. And through that, I'm going to meet these other funny women that are in uh, Wisconsin and New York City and all these other places. And it was just the best gift in the world. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't put myself out there and, and taken a risk and just said, I'm going to write what I think is funny and hopefully it'll attract a few people that get me. That's amazing. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, my gosh. And so how did you get it into McSweeney's? Like, did you just pitch randomly? Yeah, well, the, the beauty of, and I tell aspiring humor writers this, the beauty of McSweeney's and also New Yorker Daily Shouts is anybody can submit something. And it's not like, I remember in way back when I would try to get into magazines and there was always like, you'd have to track down the address and submit it. And it just was too hard for, you know, some wannabe writer in Austin, Texas. But when the internet started, I sound like Al <laughs> Gore went back when the tubes and wires were hooked up. No, but McSweeney's anybody can submit. And it's really been interesting to see the wave of female humor writers take off over the past 10 years. If, if you go onto their site on any given day, it's usually the top trending pieces are all women writers, which I think is fantastic. And they're writing about parenting and whatnot. And my piece, I'm wearing tunics now, that's in the book, has been trending on McSweeney's for a couple of months, which is great. But it's such a good way to get your work amplified because people will share it. Now Now they can email it and text it to each other. They don't have to print it out. But yeah, it's it's been wonderful. That's awesome. And then what about The New Yorker? The New Yorker, this is typical me. I was really upset a few years ago because I'd never had anything in The New Yorker. And then I'm like, oh, I've never submitted to them. That that would help. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I've had some pieces in there and the ones that have done well have been about midlife, like how midlife women can stun in cell phone photos, which is in the book. And one of my favorite pieces happened after I was interviewing for jobs, like trying to get back in the workforce. And it was really humiliating. And my way of therapy, I guess, is to make fun of it with a satiric piece. So I wrote, uh, we can't ask your age in this job interview, but please take this quiz about rotary phones. <laughs> and and I loved it. And the New Yorker ran it and it's, it's in the book, but it's kind of like, I have these emotions and these jokes and I don't know what to do with it. So I sit down and it comes out that way in a satiric piece. That's amazing. So who do you love to read? Like who are some of your favorite 
Um, probably most, uh, you know, I follow your accounts and everything you have up there is what I read. I, I don't uh-huh. read. <laughs> yeah. You have great taste. I read uh, novels. I read a lot of novels. I like thrillers. Uh, I used to read about a book a week and that slowed down. I found my attention span is like, I just watch TV and I need to break that. So I just started cloud cuckoo land, mm-hmm. which I've had forever, but I'm like, this is a daunting challenge because it's like, five million pages, but I'm going to sit down and make myself read it for an hour a day. And of course, once I get into it, I'm going to be hooked and want to read it all the time. But I read mostly women writers and that's Mm -hmm. not a conscious choice, but that seems to be who's putting out the most interesting stuff right now. When I was preparing for my interview with Anthony Doerr, I ended up going back and reading this memoir he wrote about his time in Paris. Have you read that? Oh, no, that sounds great. You should go back to that. I mean, okay. not to discourage you from crowd cleaning, yeah. but if you're feeling like you're not in the mood for that one particular night, but you still want to okay. like be loyal to the Yeah, to author, Anthony. <laughs> you might want to dip into it because it's a quicker read, but it tells you so much about him and puts a okay. new light on everything he's written since. No, that's good. I was like, why have I not even heard about this? I guess it was before all the success of All the Light We Cannot See. And- I loved All the Light We Cannot See so much. My kids had to read it in school, which I thought really was wonderful. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I always like look at what they're bringing home, and I'm like, "Tell me, I interviewed this person. <laughs> Come on, I have oh, to yeah. impress my kids." You know, like, no, never heard of him. And then they're like, "Can you interview Neil Patrick Harris?" And I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> I bet you could. I'll try. You can come up with some reason. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll try because they're reading that today. By the time I book the podcast, they'll be over it and be like, whatever. But anyway. Oh, that's funny. So what are you working on now? I'm not sure. This has been, you know, I'm in the promotion phase of the book, which I like and I don't like, I guess, because I'm kind of itching to get back just to writing. I have an empty nest, a recent empty nest. So I'm batting around the idea of writing something funny about that but I haven't found anything funny about it yet. Um, I know, but, but all the books that exist about empty nest are very sad and maudlin. And I think it's just another phase of life and it's an opportunity to reconnect with your partner, to start traveling more, to try a new path that you maybe haven't done. So I think I'm optimistic about this phase of life but it's also bittersweet. It's melancholy, I guess. And, you know, you walk past the empty rooms and Uh, I know, I know. But one of my, my older son goes to school in London, which is a great opportunity for us to go to London as much as possible. So I highly recommend that if your kids are looking for colleges, have them go someplace you want to visit a lot. I will be sending them to Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here, go to college at the Sandals Resort in Jamaica. Exactly. That's great. No, they have a school. They have a school. Yeah, yeah. It's great. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know the I am divorced and remarried and every other weekend all my rooms are empty. And Aww. it started like seven years ago when my kids were really little. And Aww. I know. So I feel like I'm not empty. I still have them part time, although my older yeah. two go to boarding school. But I relate to that so much because I get like little glimpses of it. And when it started, I was yeah. like is the worst thing in the entire world. You know, like this is like grief. It feels like grief. It had it, yeah. it struck all the same, you know, nodes of grief that I have. I had the same response. So sad. Oh, I could see that. And then but on the other hand, you're like they're thriving, they're happy, they're in a safe yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah. No, but then I was like, 
bye-bye. I'm flying to LA. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> no, no. Now my weekends, I mean, I get, I still get sad, but yeah. you know, I started this whole business and so now I'm like, oh, wait, yeah. what? I used to have time. But anyway, good, but that good, was good. part of why I started all this is to like fill the time when they weren't here, you know? So Yeah. You're not just going to sit home and play cats in the cradle and look at baby scrapbooks. Like, oh, I know. So how have you found, like, what's been the most effective way to reach this audience? Like, how have you connected the most? Like, what have been the most effective channels for you? And like, where have you met the most engaged readers of it? The day the book came out, I had uh, McSweeney's nicely ran the I'm Wearing Tunic Now piece. And that did really, really well. So I think that was, for me, the best place. They're all about humor and it's easily shareable. So that's done really well. But I've been doing podcasts, which I like a lot. And later this month, I'm doing tunics and tea at Austin's legendary Driscoll Hotel in this fancy ballroom, which was an interesting invitation. So I guess I need to get a fascinator and all that. But I think I always say that humor brings people together. So if you can make somebody laugh, you have them in the palm of your hand. But we all like to laugh at the same thing. We all like to, you know, just lightens the mood. And it, it it's an endorphin thing to laugh. So any time I can get together with a group and read from the book, that's been really successful just because it's funny. And, you know, I'm not reading some dark, twisty poetry that would, that's also effective, but it creates a different mood when you're making people laugh. It's more celebratory, I guess. And why do you think this has been not written about enough, even old age? Like in this bookstore I'm opening, I have like a whole coming of middle age section, which would include mm-hmm. like this book. Oh, good. And good. somebody was like, you know, why don't you have a coming of geriatric age section? I'm like, what would I put there? Yeah. Yeah. There isn't much. And, uh, you know, I say in my book that the words, even the phrase middle age kind of has a negative tinge about it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, when you and I were growing up, women would say like, oh, a lady never reveals her age. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was yes. this big mystery. And I think it's just, I'm Gen X. I think you are too. We're getting to be where we're just like, I hate this phrase, but living out loud. We're like, yeah, I'm yes. 55. Yep. You know, this is it. This is my life. And we were, Gen X really started writing about parenting more than mm-hmm. anybody had before. And I think now we're going to write about this. And you've probably noticed like Gwyneth and Naomi Watts and Brooke yep. Shields, they all have these yes. companies about midlife. So I think it's just taking these, you know, these big mouths getting to this age and wanting to talk yep. about it. And hopefully, you know, I don't know if I'll be writing a, a book about being 60, but maybe, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's me trying to find a connection and trying to put out something that I hope people will relate to and make them feel less lonely. Yeah. The best aging. I don't know if you've read Judith Viorst's, um essays on aging. Have you read like on being 70? Yes. 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 So good. So good. I feel like that's all I would put in my section, but we need more books like that. <laughs> I also like to read books about the next phase. I always have done that. Like no matter how oh, interesting, like, I, like to let me know what's coming. Like I don't have an older yeah. sibling or anything. And I don't know. I just, I feel like this is how I sort of mentally plan or prepare, you know, like I was in high school reading about like what it's like to plan your wedding or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so now I'm like, okay, time to prep for geriatric. Well, definitely read the chapter in my book about turning 50. Okay. Since you're, you're coming up at, at that in the, four or five years. Yes, for sure. 
Well, this was so fun. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to you. I'm glad I got to meet you in person. Yeah, I didn't even thank know you for how coming I was to invited to that party. And I was like, I just have to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun as he's talking about. I had a book launch party in New York City in November that my friend Isabel threw. And it was surreal to me. I'm like, how do I know all these many people in New York City? I'm this, like I said, I started writing this in my Austin, Texas bedroom. So yeah, it was great to see you there. It was a fun party. Do you still live in Texas, in Austin? Yeah, we've been in Austin 25 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm dying to get down there. I'm doing these retreats and I want to do one in Austin because I've never been related to Texas. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, let me know because I know great retreat places and they're so, we have a very, very strong writing community in Austin. So many novelists and people that uh, I'm sure you you know their names. So that would be fantastic. Yeah. Okay. That's on my to-do list. Maybe for the fall. Okay. Okay. I want to do California and, and Texas if I yeah. can stay standing through this. The fall, yeah. <laughs> the fall in Texas is much better than the summer. So yeah, plan that way. Fall mm-hmm. everywhere is better than the summer, pretty much. Here except is, for like yes. the ocean, you know? I agree. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on and this great guide to the funniness of the saddest parts of life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and the inspiration too, to just like try and submit and why not, you know? Yeah. Submit. So, okay. Well, thank you. This is great. And I love this podcast and I'm telling everybody I know that I was on it. Please so. do. Thank you. <laughs> great. Yes. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye, Wendy. All right, bye. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.